So you're you're in Manchester. I'm in Manchester. It's the in-house recruitment leaders uh, conference tomorrow, and I'm taking about ten or twelve people out for dinner this evening. Uh, so very much looking forward to that. Manchester is a fun city. It's quite like Glasgow. People yeah. are very down down to earth. It's quite a working class city, like Glasgow is. Um, famous for Manchester United, Manchester City football teams. Famous for Oasis. Famous for yeah, quite a few things in the past. <laughs> that's not the location where Ryan Reynolds bought the football team, obviously. No, that's in Wales. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not far. Very different. <laughs> yeah. Probably a couple of hours from here. Not that far. Yeah. Well, it's, it seems to be, um, I said this, if, like, I guess a month or so ago, I felt like all the conferences everywhere last minute said, okay, let's go. And they flipped the switches and it was from nothing to now. Now we're on, like, I'm on the road next week. I just got back like Monday night. So just, just a couple of nights ago, I got back. We had a conference the week before Jerry was at another thing. We, we got two weeks ahead of nothing but this. And it, it feels like kind of we're, we're back to normal on the road. Yeah, maybe for you. I'm still doing my best to avoid traveling as much as I can. Uh, I made. I didn't decision. say I was jumping to go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited about it. Yeah, no, it is. It's going to be. Uh, it's going to be good tomorrow. I'm looking forward to seeing people. I was really gutted to have missed Unleash. Um, I was on holiday yeah. last week. Uh, I was badly timed, unfortunately. I should have gone this week rather than last week because Unleash would have been excellent. But. Uh, yeah, no, it's nice to see people, but I'm never going back to what I was before the pandemic. That was pretty much every week, you know, of the year. So I was doing 100 flights a year, you know, for years. And uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm never going back to that. Well, no, I don't think I ever will. I think, I swear, I think before the pandemic, I must have been traveling like 80% of the, the year, like I was on the road. Yeah. Yeah. So it's nice to like, you know, are, are we more introverted now? Is that, is, do you think that's what's happened to us? It's funny. I, I, I definitely. I don't know whether. I don't know whether I was always introverted, and I just hadn't realized. And I was putting on an act of, be, you know, being an extra extrovert while I was building a business. I don't know, but I, I certainly feel a lot more introverted than I was. The, the thought of going into a room with hundreds of people and going and like work in the room, is used to be just like second nature, and I think it's a little bit intimidating now. Really? Do you think? Do, is yeah. it? Uh, it? Do you think it's virus? focused like you're worried about getting sick or you're just like oh no, it's overwhelming because of the people yeah 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 it, it, it's not even yeah it's not the virus i don't care about that it's the and and actually i've been in i've been in plenty of like boxing matches and football matches and rugby matches and things with like thousands and thousands of people there and and i haven't been bothered about that because nobody's expecting me to talk to them whereas i think you know at an event you know an industry event or something like that where everybody's expecting you to you know, say something, be entertaining or be interesting or something like that, you know? And uh, I think that's the, where, where I think my like slight anxiety about it's come from. I never used to be anxious about things like that. Yeah. Adam, we, I had a conversation a few weeks ago with an, with another leader who said um, it felt interesting to be back on. So like when you're out, I think to your point, when you're out, but you have to be on the whole time. There's no, you know, there's no breather in between that. And that can be exhausting. Yeah, I've definitely learned about the concept of executive energy. And, you know, you, you just cannot maintain being like super pumped the whole time. Uh, however, you know, you, 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 I, I've definitely learned a lot about, you know, when do you need to crescendo that energy and when do you need to try and preserve that energy? And uh, yeah, I was probably on too often previously. And so 
uh, I think that's part of maturing as well, learning about these things. Well, so you say maturing, I was saying old. Like I just turned 50 and I feel like around 45, <laughs> the, the momentum of like being on the whole time, I just didn't have any interest in it anymore. I'm keeping good time with you then in that case, because I am 45 <laughs> and it's starting now. It just started. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to have a fun chat today. You, re you ready to jump in? Yes. Okay. Here we go. Welcome to the CXR channel, our premier podcast for talent acquisition and talent management. Listen in as the CXR community discusses a wide range of topics focused on attracting, engaging, and retaining the best talent. We're glad you're here. Hey, good day, watchers and listeners. Welcome to the Recruiting Community Podcast. I'm Chris Hoyt, president of Career Crossroads. It's a community of over 50,000 uh, recruiting professionals and leaders who believe in learning uh, and, and helping to lift up the recruiting industry and, and really in helping each other succeed and become better TA professionals. Now, before I forget, uh, I want to nudge you to click on the subscribe or like button. Let us know that you were here. Uh, we are streaming on LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and of course, cxr.org slash podcast. And you'll also find us on any service uh, like Spotify, YouTube, and others, wherever you, you may be listening or watching your favorite podcast. Uh, if it is your first time uh, listening, you're going to find uh, that we bring recruiting leaders, practitioners, and personalities to the show uh, to talk about what our membership body says is top of mind for them. And we're talking about recruiting professionals uh, at companies that are hiring anywhere between 2,000 and 200,000 people a year each. Uh, now, these 20-minute chats are commercial-free, regardless of who is on the mic, uh, as we aren't a pay-to-play or sponsored type show. So this is 100% uh, a labor of love, and it results in what we think are good conversations uh, we think you're going to want to be a part of. Now, if you happen to be listening live, feel free to jump into the chat with any questions, uh, likes, or comments. We will do our best uh, to make sure that we call you out or circle back to you offline now. Today, we're talking a little bit about recruiting or recruitment marketing automation and the increasing role that AI does or could play on that front. We have a guest who is no stranger to the Recruiting Community Podcast and that we are excited to welcome back to the show. Please say hello to Adam Gordon. Adam, how are you? Hi, I'm great, Chris. Thanks so much for having me. Big fan of your work. This is uh, really fun. <laughs> No, if you love what you do, it's not. Absolutely. So, yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, we're glad to have you back. Adam, for those who don't know you, why don't you give us uh, a little bit of an escalator pitch uh, of who is Adam Gordon and, and why should we be listening to you today? Yeah, sure. So I started in recruitment in 1999, uh, recruiting accountants uh, at a staffing agency. I did that for three years, and I'd worked out that the thing that I really enjoyed was all the work that was put into getting the person into the room with me. All of the talent sourcing work and the talent attraction work, recruitment, marketing, all of the employer branding type stuff. And uh, that's what I really wanted to focus on. So since 2002, I've pretty much focused exclusively on uh, recruitment marketing, uh, providing services, uh, and more recently providing technologies. So I uh, was co-founder of a company called Candidate ID, which we sold to iSIMS uh, earlier this year. And uh, my mission is to uh, help companies uh, do recruitment marketing better. 
So, so let me ask you, Adam, for those who may be on sort of different areas of the spectrum when we talk about recruiting technology, yeah. when we say re recruitment marketing and we start talking a little bit about, well, let's start with that. When we say recruitment marketing, what, what does that mean to you? Uh, so recruitment marketing to me is, th there's, a, there's an interesting ongoing discussion about is employer branding part of recruitment marketing or is recruitment marketing part of employer branding? And there's no real answer to that. I don't think it is a chicken and egg, uh, you know, uh, uh, concept, I believe. But recruitment marketing is all of the active um, efforts that you put into uh, bringing people to your job descriptions mm -hmm. and then getting them by and then getting them to take the interview, getting them to take the job, and then stay up. So I think it's uh, quite broad. It includes all the different channels, includes all the different content formats, all the calls to action, all the analytics involved in all of that. Um, I believe employer branding is a facet of this, thread all the way through it. And uh, I think that we have got a, a very large amount of space for improvement in talent acquisition. And there is no reason why there should be any gap in terms of how sophisticated we are versus our colleagues in mainstream uh, marketing today. We've got access to the same types of technologies and tools and techniques. And all we need to do is turn up to their conferences a little bit more often and listen a little bit more carefully and read their blogs. And, you know, we uh -huh. could be doing exactly what they're doing. Yeah, it, we could be, you know, Adam, you bring up sort of an interesting, you ring a bell with me there because, you know, having come out of a, a large CPG organization, uh, when when my focus was solely on recruitment marketing, uh, yeah, they did have the big kid toys over, over on the consumer marketing side, but they didn't always want to play because sometimes the recruitment seen as a distractor, just distraction for them because they are focused on getting everyone to buy something. And any, any, anything that peels somebody off of that really tends to rub the digital folks or the marketing folks on the consumer side wrong. Yeah, no, so, I, I agree with that. My, my wife was an officer for large companies and when she was asked to get involved in recruitment, she had a flat answer. No, she wasn't going to get fired if people didn't get hired. <laughs> she was going to get fired if her company wasn't generating, if her team was not generating enough, you know, pipeline. So um, yeah. recruitment, recruitment was, was definitely not a responsibility. I don't think we can rely on our colleagues uh, to actually help us do things. But what we can do is go and try and access their technologies, maybe with an additional license or additional accounts or something like that. Piggyback yeah. on that. That shouldn't cause them any problems. What we also want to do is just try and sit in in their team meetings as a fly on the wall just to keep learning. Um, and there's another important one here, and that is that there are certain types of recruitment marketing, which for me are very much the, the CPG marketing mm -hmm. would be really useful for. So if you're in volume, for example, then the CPG marketing type of approach um, is something that is going to be very valuable. But if you're hiring primar primarily people in technology or accountants or program managers yep. or enterprise sales professionals. These people are not making decisions based on, am I gonna choose Pepsi or diet Pepsi? They're not making decisions like that. They're yep. making decisions with a much more considered, considered purchase. So the type of marketing that you wanna be doing to those people is a bit more like, what type of car should I be encouraging pe you know, people to try mm. and buy or, you know, airline or holiday locations or wedding, you know, 
venues or it, it's much more of a considered purchase. It's a higher value uh, you know, item. And when somebody's moving from one accounting firm to another, they're, they're doing it based on, I think, nurture over time and a mm. lot more different like levers rather than just, you know, we'll take that one or that one. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't disagree with you. I would call out, I think you said something kind of interesting in that, that most, especially, <clears throat> excuse me, especially more up and coming uh, recruitment marketing professionals should realize you don't need a full suite of the tools. If your if your consumer side actually has it, you can maybe just if, in a form of a partnership, get one license on top of their broader contract, right? Yeah, po possibly. The only thing I would say is there are there are nuances in in recruitment, and so yeah. if you wanted to use, uh, you know, a, a mainstream uh, CRM like Salesforce or something like that, for you know keeping in touch with candidates, that first of all, the, the the labels like the buttons are not as intuitive as they are on a recruitment marketing CRM, a recruitment CRM. So yeah. um, the workflows are slightly different, um, and so. But certainly, going and looking at what are they using and working out would that type of approach be useful for me? And if I could use that technology, then great. If I need to go and try and establish an equivalent within my area within recruitment, like what is the equivalent technology over here? So from a Salesforce, of course, there's lots of different yeah. recruitment marketing uh, CR recruitment CRMs, which which you know, could be an equivalent and might be more intuitive my for my team to use. Um, but in terms of things like advertising and Google Analytics and things like that, absolutely, beg, borrow and steal. Yeah, <laughs> well, and I think they scale differently and they're typically priced quite differently as well. But uh, let me ask you, Adam. So when we say uh, recruitment, marketing and automation, when we mash that up together, uh, yeah. wh like wh what does that span? Is it everything from how, to, how the jobs sort of determine who gets to see them, where they're presented to what e email campaigns and responses from from the ATSs? Yeah, I mean, we have we have been using this term marketing automation um, in recruitment a little bit broad. And actually, if you go to a mainstream sales and marketing team, marketing automation is the technology which allows you to distribute communications to people to track and score all of their clicks to uh, apply automatically apply engagement scores um, to those clicks. So if they're opening an email, if they're clicking links, if they're opening a text message, if they're clicking links, if they're going to your website, if they're watching videos, if they're looking on your Twitter or your LinkedIn or your Facebook, if they're going to uh, you know, certain pages of your website, like your pricing page, things like that, yeah, that's what marketing automation does. We started to use that term a little bit to describe other programmatic technologies like in the advertising area and that kind of thing. But yeah. I'm particularly interested in the recruitment equivalents to our HubSpots and Marketos and Pardots and Eloquas and those types of technologies. Marketing automation has got a specific definition. And so, you know, when I talk about marketing automation, it's not really on the advertising side and things like chatbots and things like that. It's very much around, you know, how can we do talent nurture on a programmatic mm -hmm. way where with every click somebody makes, they're going to get an adaptive experience, which becomes more and more personalized for them. That's what I'm so, talking so, about. Yeah. So at that, at that level, 
it seems to me that if you have a somewhat modern applicant tracking system, not even not even CRM, let's keep it super basic, somewhat uh, modern applicant tracking system, then you you have some element of recruitment marketing built into that, right? With response, you know, you can do um, notifications or email responses or maybe even drip campaigns, uh, depending on how sort of you structure those. Yeah. Um, yes, but that's not marketing automation. So that is time delayed actions. That uh -huh. is, I will set up. So if I'm using a CRM to do this or an applicant tracking system to do this, I may be able to set up an autoresponder. So somebody's filled in a form, they get an email, you know, Im immediately to confirm their attendance at the event or to confirm that their resume has been received or something like that. I can set up an email goes out to them tomorrow. And then another one with different content goes out three days later. And then yeah. another one goes out three days later, that sort of thing. That is um, too basic to be described as marketing automation. So the most important aspects of marketing automation are it tracks the uh -huh. each individual's clicks in a broad footprint of locations and can trigger actions based on this, not based on the batch and blast, which is, I'm going to send this to all these people today and then in three days and then in three days. Everybody gets everything. That's what we would describe as batch and blast. The nuance of marketing automation is it's really personalized and it's based on the individual's clicks. So what they get next, the next, always a next best action. There's no cul-de-sacs. There's no dead ends. They never get nothing next. Their last click determines what they specifically get. So Chris and Adam might be in the same talent pipeline. We might be getting um, the same initial communication, which comes out by email. You've mm -hmm. clicked on some stuff and gone one direction, but then you've stopped. I've clicked on different things and gone on a different direction, then I've stopped. The next communication that you and I will get will be something different a couple of days later because we've displayed different behaviors. So how do you personalize for scale? You do it with marketing automation. A CRM or an ATS doesn't know enough about the candidates, about each individual, because it's not using the same type of tracking methods. Yeah, well, I mean, based on that description, my, my relatively... Um relatively new or recent ATS isn't going to have that capability at all. No, no, it's not. It's a, it's a, it's, it's built in automation technologies are built on a different, um, like platform architecture. Um, mm -hmm. and they use things like they use innovative ways of, of, a, of applying primary cookie tracking. They use things like IP recognition. They're able to determine what device you're using and what's your browser and what's your operating system and all these sorts of things. So that if I, I get, a, I get a message from a company that's interested in me on my cell phone. I open it up. I think this is interesting. I click through to a landing page and then I go, I'm in my office. I don't really want to have this conversation here. I don't want to, I don't want to, sorry, do this research here. I'm going to go home. So I've still, I've changed the laptop out and start researching this organization further. A marketing automation technology knows that that's that same person who started on their cell and then went onto their laptop. And it's tying up all of this. And crucially, it's applying engagement points to all the clicks as well so that talent sourcers can filter their pipelines on that real-time engagement score and get to shortlist faster. So that's, again, not something you can do with a with an ATS or a CRM. That engagement tracking is, is something which is vital. So Adam, in your opinion, recruitment, marketing, automation, bigger impact on speed to hire or quality of hire? Both, because... 
when you're able to filter your talent pipelines on that real-time engagement score, and you can see who's interested in us today, what that means is you're going to be able to get to shortlist typically 50% faster. How it can really impact on the quality of hire is because of the really, like the most optimal level of personalization at scale, that means that Chris and Adam and Sarah and Bryony, who have all got completely different interests, we want our content through different channels, different content formats on different days of the week. Because the four of us are all good candidates, but we're yeah. getting a more personalized experience, we're going to keep. And because all four of us are good candidates and we're getting a personalized experience, it means that we're coming through the funnel. And you know, if we were all getting the same thing, only one of us would. So I would certainly say it impacts on both of these. Is anybody, do you think anybody, because I have to tell you, it's kind of interesting. Um, we are seeing that quality of hire conversation bubble back up for leaders with uh, like with a vengeance, right? They're yeah. really, really focusing on that. Uh, and, and we're seeing AI, anecdotally, AI conversations sort of calm down a little bit. And part of me is like, well, is it, is it shiny bobble and we're losing a little bit of the shiny or is this just that typical you know, pendulum of I can only focus on so many things at once. Are you seeing sort of the same thing? Are you seeing a shift away from AI conversations and more to quality of hire or any of this within the realm of recruitment marketing? Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's a couple of different things that are driving the reduction in hype around AI. Mm -hmm. One of those is the let's call it mixed reputation that AI has developed for itself when it comes to things like anti-bias, right? Yeah. Or actuating bias, which could be the other way that it can be you know, considered. So does everybody want to attach themselves to a type of technology which has been getting mixed feedback in recruitment right now? No, probably not. It wasn't getting the same mixed reputation a couple of years ago. That's one thing. The added to that would be um, federal uh, or state laws mm -hmm. in the USA and lots of different moves in the uh, Europe as well, which is going to mean that over time organizations employers have to they will become completely responsible for that intelligence and not the vendor who's providing the so that's giving a lot of people considerable uh pause for thought and then there's a third one which is because of what i've just explained recruitment technology companies have stopped putting ai on the front page of their website as much that probably does not mean that they've stopped using it. It means they've stopped leading with it. I mean, there mm -hmm. are so many examples of exciting developments in recruitment technology that have come to a standstill because the companies, the employers have gone, I can't have this. So an example would be mm -hmm. certain types of natural language processing in the chatbot area where the technology is so unsupervised and actually um, so good that people have become very nervous about what to say. So I cannot have 
a chatbot or any NLP-based artificial intelligence which blurts something out that's racist or starts swearing at a candidate or, mm -hmm. or you know, because it's got so it's got frustrated with the candidate's response that tells them to F off. You know, yeah. there are so many ways that the technology um, very unlikely, but even if there's a 0.1% chance, big corporates are just going to go, I don't well, want to. Yeah, I mean, to I, that. that is an extreme example, but I, yeah. I mean, I, I do get your point. And I think that we, I mean, I think there is a swell of interest in both uh, on the front of uh, ethics within AI, right? So, so how do we avoid that bias? What did you call that? Bias enhancement or bias? Yeah, amplification or something. Amplification, yeah. there, yeah, but ampl yeah. amplifying the bias. Uh, and then also I think there is a growing interest in holding vendors more accountable to what really is AI within the product, right? I think there's an interest in not just their competitors, but also the leaders who have been buying AI uh, for two or three years now and aren't really getting more than simple autocomplete or, or maybe, you know, baseline chatbots in some instances. Yeah, yeah no, I, 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 I absolutely agree with this. And I think that it is, um, interestingly, I, I do believe that as technologies like that are starting to mature, mm -hmm. the description of them has changed slightly. So there are still lots of technologies in our industry that ha have got machine learning programs embedded within them, but they're just not majoring on that because it's quite ubiquitous. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not the thing that's really going to help them stand out now. It's not the USP because like everybody's using it. Um, but I, I think that we're probably not far away from further shifts in technology, um, which are going to make a big difference to how we interact with candidates and how we, um, you know, um, get them interested in, in our organizations and in working in our organizations. I mean, I've never seen probably 10 years ago, people were saying, look, there's more change happening now than, you know, over the last year than in the last thousand years. I mean, that, that was nothing compared to now. 10 years, this is like speed of change is unbelievable today. Uh, I don't know. I had a conversation. There was a um, talent acquisition leader who had just been put in his role. He'd never been in TA before. This was maybe a month ago. I might have shared this on one of the last shows. But uh, so he rang us up and he said, well, what do I need to know? Like, what, like I'm new to TA, come from this spot. You know, we work with you guys as, as an organization. What do I need to know about TA? And we're talking about everything that the leaders are talking about. We're talking about what we're seeing on the front lines. We're talking about what people are talking about is, is in two years, what happened five years ago, et cetera. And, you know, he says, what a what an amazing and crazy time to join TA. And I said, I don't know how to tell you this. It's kind of like this every year for my last 30 years. Every year there's something. There's an acquisition. There's, a, you know, an organization goes under. There's massive layoffs. There's org restructure. There's new technology that... It's every year. It's just all the time. I feel like it's all the time. It's it's not that different. I feel like the 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 thing that's making a huge difference right now is the change in workforce and the way that people want to work. Um, you know, there's never been as much demand for flexibility, and um, there's never been as many opportunities for people to be able to make money. Um, if I was an expert on, I don't know, crochet, then I could possibly make money from TikTok or from yeah. YouTube 
or from yeah. eBay or from Amazon. You know, if I was a um, a, a singer, so you know, I really believe that that's one of the things that's created so many changes. I, you know, I don't disagree with you, but I would I would argue that it's just something else. It's just not what it was last time. There's this huge focus on, I mean, you remember when it was all about internet applicant and everybody was sort of struggling to make that, you know, that shift in how people apply. And that meant a change largely at some organizations, certainly I volume into what type of people were applying, what skills were people applying with. Like, I just think it's something different and I'm not being dismissive, yeah. uh, but I think it's just something different for us you know, to hold our attention, for us to focus on that change. It's constant transformation in our space. What was the background of TA leader who did that job? Uh, he, I believe he came out of finance. <laughs> <laughs> that That's not what I was expecting you to well, say. If you'd said sales <laughs> or marketing. Well, let me ask you. Were you, said, or, Mark, would you... So, so put it put it in order because where we typically see them sucked in to TA from sometimes it's legal, right? Finance, uh, we're seeing a little bit of that, and the, and on the marketing side, we, like what? How would you rank them? What are your top three uh, immigrants to what we call them immigrants to recruiting? Where, where do they come well, out from? If somebody's moving from finance into into leading TA, I think that says a lot about the company's you know expectations around cost per hire. Um, so, you know, I think people that have been in sales or marketing uh, are probably very good, especially if they've le led, if they've been like sales ops manager, uh, marketing ops manager, those types of people. They've looked after mm -hmm. technologies and processes and, you know, performance enhancements. Um, I think that's a really good one. Uh, I, I, I've met plenty of people that have come from HR into TA, and yes, it works. Um, they can they can you know cross borders with their colleagues, but I, I do I do think that the the best TA leaders I know have been in TA for a considerable amount of time. Oh yeah, well they've seen a lot, right? I mean, it is interesting, and I'm not I'm not knocking I'm not knocking our folks, but how many? How many TA professionals do you think take the leap over into finance or take the <laughs> the leap in the other direction? Yeah, not 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 Legal. very many. No, not not very many. I I do believe, I do believe that um, I think I've said this to you before. Other than assessment, um, every other aspect of of TA has got a parallel in sales and marketing. There's not a lot of difference. And in yeah. fact, even assessment, even in assessment, that could be akin to like customer qualification. So, you know, there yeah. is there, there are some even some parallels in that. So people that have led sales and marketing teams and it, I, I don't I don't favor one or the other. I think they're both good. But but especially if they've had experience leading RevOps or something like that. They understand how technologies fit together. They understand journeys and how we want to bring people through, uh, the experiences we want people to, to give. They understand funnel metrics and all that kind of thing. Yeah, um, I think that, I think they can do quite well. Finance is one I've not really heard about before, as a natural. <laughs> you know, well, it's been a number of months. So we'll let you know how he, we'll let you know how he does. <laughs> yes, can't wait to find out.
<laughs> well, Adam, let me ask you, if, if somebody wants to learn more about uh, recruiting, auto, like automation within that world of recruitment marketing, uh, where would you where, where would you send them? Where would you, would you where would you send them to go find out more, learn a little bit more about the topic? I mean, I, I talk about it pretty much every day on LinkedIn. So I think connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm quite easy to find Adam Gordon iSims. It's probably the easy. Just type that into uh, LinkedIn and you'll find me there. I talk about it all the time. I'm not going to send you to a whole bunch of corporate websites and things uh, as if it's an advert. So I will avoid doing that. But connect with me on LinkedIn is, is probably the, the best thing to do. All right. Good stuff. Now, Adam, I ask everybody this as we wrap up every show. If you were going to write a book about this topic, this re recruiting and marketing automation, what would the title of your book be? <laughs> oh, it would be, I, I, I'll tell you what it would be. It would be, there's a concept that we always talk about, and that is you've got a really stale database, right? You've probably got 200,000 people on your applicant tracking system. You've probably got 90,000 people on your recruitment CRM. We always, the first thing that we do when you're start, going to start recruitment marketing automation is you put them all into your marketing automation system and you wake them all up. And that concept we call waking the dead. There are <laughs> millions, millions and millions and millions of stale candidate records that I have personally had some experience in like trying to, you know, turn them into living, interested, engaged applicants. Uh, and so it would be wick, wick, uh, recruitment 2022, waking the dead. Waking the dead. I love it. Who, who gets the first signed copy? You. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll read it. I'll read it. If you need someone to write the forward or the backward, I'm happy. I'm happy to, to chime in. Terrific. I'll, I'll come back to you on that for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Look, Adam, thank you so much. So appreciative of your time. We're glad you jumped on. I'm going to throw you in the green room for a second. Hang out. Don't go anywhere, okay? All right. Super, super grateful. Always, always love to have Adam in here. I just want to share with everybody, uh, if you haven't already or you're not already aware, head to cxr.works slash podcasts. Uh, and that's where you can learn about, uh, you can listen to all the past events. And you can see what's coming up. Uh, and speaking of events, cxr.works slash events, because we're back. We're doing live meetings. They're a lot of fun. Uh, you're going to wish you went uh, once you see some of the recaps. So those are pretty, pretty exciting uh, that we're setting those back up for next year. So cxr.works slash events. So check out what's ahead, uh, both digital and live. Uh, and of course, always, you can learn more about Career Crossroads and that community at cxr.works. And if you aren't already a member, see if you qualify to join us. If you are a member, make sure you're taking advantage of our online forums. Uh, we're doing the local dinners. We've got workshops, virtual roundtables, uh, live meetings, of course, the leadership summits. Uh, we've got some incredible stuff that is in the library that includes many of our meetings, uh, shared case studies, and, and decks from literally hundreds of company leaders and more. So until next time, have a great week. We'll see you online. Thanks for listening to the CXR channel. Please subscribe to CXR on your favorite podcast resource and leave us a review while you're at it. Learn more about CXR at our website, cxr.works, facebook.com and twitter.com slash career crossroads and on Instagram at career X roads. We'll catch you next time.